Welcome to Micah Bradford Connected, where we bring together hope and information to help support your life. Join us on this journey in connecting the dots and finding answers to your most challenging health issues. So, let's connect, where no topic is off limits. Common interests prevail, but opinions don't always align. This is Micah Bradford Connected. Why Autism Awareness is Not Enough, Episode 7. Welcome to Connected with Micah Bradford. I am so happy to have you join me today. Today we'll be talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart and is truly part of the foundation of this whole program, of the creation of the podcast. And for me, it was the incidence of my son being diagnosed with autism. And today, what we're going to talk about is why autism awareness is not enough. Over the past two decades, we've seen exponential increases in individuals being diagnosed with autism. And there's a lot of opinions and reasons for why we think we've seen that. But one of the things that is clear to me is that the first initiative we had over the last 20 years was to raise awareness for people to know what autism could look like. Um, What does it sound like? Can you recognize it when you're out in the community or out at a store? or at your local church. And we were all pretty successful at helping to identify the different characteristics, whether it be with the noises or the patterns of communication or the physical gestures or the deficits in communication. And it seems over the period of two decades, we've gone from raising awareness about what autism is to then wanting to increase the level of acceptance because we want our loved ones to be accepted in their communities. We want our family members to be accepted in our churches, in our malls. When we go shopping, we don't want it to be where the families feel estranged or like a pheasant under glass where they're being stared at. So going from awareness to acceptance has been a phenomenal thing. But I question you this. With the number of individuals being diagnosed, and and at this time, we're continuing to see the numbers increase. The CDC estimated that the prevalence of autism had increased by 15% in 2018. They now are surmising that one in 59 children is being diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder. Now think about this, one in 59 children, and they were looking at eight-year-olds, So, and there's some variability when you look at the centers and where the data is collected across the country. But one in 59 is pretty significant to have individuals that have communication deficiencies or the inability to communicate at all. And so what concerns me now is that we've gone from awareness to acceptance, and there's this fine line of becoming apathetic to having apathy to it becoming something that everyone's desensitized to. And no one is asking the question, why? And today, what I want to talk about is, what do we have to do? Should we be taking more action on looking at the catalyst or the items? Or is it the environmental factors? Is it the foods? What do we need to look at? Because the next step, in my opinion, for all of us as a community, whether you have a child or not, whether you have another health issue, is looking at the why and taking action to identify what could be contributing 
to this epidemic. And I think that at this point, one in 59 children should qualify as an epidemic. I feel pretty confident that in watching our television programs and and news stations that if there was one in 59 anything going wrong, if we had one in 59 frogs with an extra leg at our lakes or one in 59 ducks that had two bills, I'm pretty sure that we would say that there is a state of emergency and we need to identify what is going wrong. So... When you look at the autism diagnosis um, and you look at the increase, some of the things that are talked about quite often is what could be catalyst to promoting this. And quite often we look at what have we changed in our daily lives? What's changed in the pattern of human behavior and how we exist? And some of the first items that always come up The preservatives, the ingredients, the things that we are now consuming that have been approved, the list of artificial sweeteners. I mean, there's a a list a mile long of chemicals and toxins. Is it the exposure to the glyphosate in the yard chemicals that have been used for years or the chemicals that are treating our crops? Is there any contribution from consuming genetically modified organisms? Many things have changed over the last two to three decades with our food supply, the chemicals, as well as the interventions that we now look to being standardized in healthcare and in medicine, the drugs, the processes, the procedures that are used in general. So there's numerous factors that all have some role. The question is, to what extent is each one of those things affecting and contributing to the increase in the numbers that we're seeing. When I look at the push that we've had and how successful in raising awareness and creating a spirit of acceptance and tolerance, um, it's been wonderful to see for the families that are affected because there's such a stigma that goes along with having a loved one on the spectrum when you're trying to integrate and provide them with opportunities in the community. And sometimes it's indirect what happens, but to be able to have the support of your community is monumental. And to be able to, for someone to look and and go, oh, he's got autism. That's phenomenal that they know and have some point of reference as to what may be going on with your child. Because that gives the parent, the caregiver, the family member some sense of solace that they're not alone, that they don't have to explain, that it's not going down the checklist of, okay, well, bad parenting, what's wrong with your child? Why are they acting unruly? I mean, there's a number of things. And I say that raising awareness and acceptance has been phenomenal, but the next part truly is taking action because one of the things that we're not talking about in our communities is... These individuals live and are expected to live a normal lifespan. And at this time, the majority of the resources, I think that some of the numbers talked about 75 to 90% of the resources being put towards autism are being put towards the first quarter of their life. But after the age of 21, the resources completely drop. It's like falling off a cliff. And at the rate that we are going with the number of individuals affected. It is very scary, even from a fiscal standpoint, 
to not look at and dig deeper into what is stimulating this anomaly. Because not only are there heartbreaking attributes that these individuals live with, there are health issues that they are at a higher rate of having. Many of these individuals and children have gastrointestinal problems. Many of them have been diagnosed with inflammation of the esophagus and the colon. And even at the age of 23, my son Jake has had his esophagus ballooned at least twice because of it being constricted. So not only is it a quality of life issue for these individuals and for the families that care for them, but then it's a financial issue of how to ensure that we can provide them with quality of care. And so as we're being more accepting and we've raised awareness, my fear is that it could create and lend itself to us having more apathy to where it's, it's just autism. I remember when my daughter had brought a friend home from school and she was in, gosh, I think maybe fifth grade and they walk in the door and her brother is in the kitchen or dining room and he's having a snack after school. And I remember her looking at her friend and she goes, oh, this is my brother, Jake. He has autism. And her friend didn't miss a beat and just looked at her and goes, oh, I have one of those too. And at the time it was cute and it was great to see that the girls could connect on a level of they understood each other, that those exchanges, those two exchanges had more depth and meaning to them because they understood commonalities that they each went through in their homes. But at the same time, that moment resonated with me. And this was literally 10 years ago. It resonated with this sense of, oh, dear God. We're starting to get to that place where it's, oh, I have one too. And I want to be sure that when we're talking about taking action, you know, we want to love and embrace all of the individuals wherever they fall on the spectrum. All the individuals, regardless of what kind of intellectual disability or delay that may exist and to support them and be accepting. But at the same time, there's a huge population of these individuals that the struggles they have aren't struggles that are minor. They're extensive. They impact their self-esteem. They impact their ability to care for themselves. They impact their ability to communicate. It's not just accepting someone and loving them. It truly is about their quality of life. And as I pondered the thought of what do we need to do as a community, as a country, Why are we not shouting from the rooftops that we need answers? Why for people in the community that don't even have children affected, are they not shouting from the rooftops? Because the reality is this is bigger than just the increase in autism. We have over the last two decades seen increases in childhood diabetes, childhood cancer. And it is my humble opinion that We are at a point in time where we need to reassess many things that we have put in place that we thought would be for the greater good, that maybe we underestimated the long-term effects. I'm talking across the board, whether we're talking about the chemicals that are used in the foods or the crops or the water, or maybe it's the medications, maybe it's the vaccinations, 
We have to look at all of these things because as a country, we have the sickest population of children with chronic health issues that this country's ever seen. And so as this month, April, is Autism Awareness Month, as I slowly went through it with our different events and fundraisers and opportunities to raise awareness and to have family fun days where families could come and socialize and and have an opportunity to feel a part of something, to feel in an environment where they didn't feel defensive, they didn't feel like they were under glass, where they could connect with people who understood the walk they're walking. It made me think, what are we going to do to take the next steps to take action? Because we have to take action and better trying to identify what is causing this watershed. And not only what is causing it, but we have to take action in looking at resources. It gets real at 21. It gets real when families can't access resources through state and federal waiver programs. It gets real to our economy and to your cities and to your states. When at 21, one in 58 children's parents have to step down from a paying job and contributing as a taxpayer to stay at home with their child because there's no resources or financially or operationally for day programs that are appropriate. There's so many things that when I think of Autism Awareness Month now, I think of taking action. I don't want everyone to get comfortable I don't want it to be warm and fluffy because for a majority of these families, it is everything except that. For a majority of these families, it is a fight on a daily basis. And as we continue to have an understanding in our communities about what autism is and how it can look different, and we accept these individuals and love them and want them to have the fullest quality of life, wherever they are on the spectrum, at the end of the day, There's going to come a moment in time where the numbers are going to outweigh if we keep on this trajectory, on this pathway of children or individuals that don't have this issue. And financially, most families can't afford to cover all of the different needs that are associated with this diagnosis, much less our government entities, much less our state and federal services. So I'm asking you. If you have a child, I know it's hard to get through the day-to-day struggles. I know that I look back and think when Jake was in middle school, I can honestly say it wasn't in the front of my mind to think about after 21. And I look back now and think, I don't know why not. I'm a smart woman. I'm not oblivious. But I realize it was me doing what I had to do to get through each day. But I challenge you, if you have a child on the spectrum, to pause, to take a few minutes, whether it's in a day, whether it's in your week, to start looking at how can you take action for the future for your child, whether it's taking personal action on planning resources and taking just a little bit of time to set aside to look at what resources look like for your child after 21. Maybe it's taking action on identifying what groups can you get involved in politically? Where can you have a voice to speak to your public officials and contribute to the decisions that are made and how your state and federal funds are used? Because I can tell you, you will blink 
And you will go from wanting people to understand what autism is so that you don't feel alone to acceptance to where you don't feel that you are constantly being observed or under glass to then wanting everyone to take action because you need support. And if you don't have a child, think about this financially. If you decide to not ask the question of why are we seeing this increase in this epidemic? If you are not asking the question of why should we approve more resources for interventions at a younger age? Why should we approve funds for behavioral supports at a state level for older adults? I'll tell you why. Because ultimately, if it doesn't affect you personally, it will affect you financially. And the choice for all of us is when we put time into this, we put money into this, do we pay now or do we pay later? And after two decades of being in the autism community, I can tell you every time if you choose to pay later, you will pay more and the interest will be greater, not only financially, but emotionally. So for the families that have children on the spectrum, one day at a time, but pick a few minutes in that day or that week to plan on how you can take action for your child's future separate than surviving or thriving through the day but looking at the future and finding then a way to be connected with people and resources that can help you with imagining what that looks like. And if you don't have a child, then look and learn at ways that you can contribute to your community or better understand from a financial standpoint. If you're involved politically or when you're watching the news, understand why those resources are critical. Because while we've done a good job of raising awareness, and accepting our loved ones, we now have to step up and look at truly taking action. We can't let our communities, we can't let society become apathetic to where it's, I have one of those, or it's, we have three kids with autism down the street, or it's, at church now, our Sunday school has 15, or 25, or 75. We have to ask why, and we have to be proactive because this diagnosis and this epidemic will eventually touch each and every one of you if it hasn't already. So in closing, when we look at the generations that are affected, we look at the projections of the numbers, it should kind of shake us all up significantly. And I hope that in being shaken up and looking to understand where we've come from and what currently is the state of autism, that this will help you in better understanding what the families are dealing with. It'll help with creating motivation to look beyond, to look at next steps. So thank you for joining me today and hearing my thoughts for closing out April as Autism Awareness Month with going from awareness to acceptance and ensuring that we don't become apathetic and ultimately taking action to help our loved ones, to ask the tough questions of why, and to do what we need to do to improve the quality of life for all of these individuals. So be sure to follow us on our podcast. You can sign up at connectedmicahbradford.com and receive our monthly newsletter and learn what hot topics we'll be discussing and featured guests that we have scheduled to have on the program soon. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. So hit us up, 
take a look. We'd love to hear from you. Join in in the conversation. One of the favorite parts that we'll be incorporating into the podcast for me is each week getting to hear feedback from you and get to connect on social media in our comments section. So let me know what's on your mind. Tell me what hot topics you're thinking of because we want to connect and bring resources to you that change your life and change your world. Thanks so much for joining us today and look forward to our next session of Micah Bradford Connected. Thanks so much.